Amen. Well, we are starting another little mini-series this, uh, um, this Sunday, and uh, we, went, we did the Jesus Is, uh, where we talked about all the things that Jesus claimed to be. Jesus Is blank, the Jesus Is series. We talked about the seven I Am statements in the book of John, where Jesus said, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine, I am the gate, I am the shepherd, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. I might have missed one or two in there. So that's, uh, that was what, we, what we've just done for the few, last few weeks. And we're transitioning now into this series called The Kingdom of God Is. The Kingdom of God Is. Now picture a castle in your head. Picture a really cool castle. Picture the, like the castle. You probably have this castle in mind when you picture a castle. That's Ludwig II's castle. Do you know where that is? Claudia, have you been there? That's in what country? Germany, Claudia's hometown. Wish I knew the national anthem. I'd sing a little bit for you right now. Um, think about a castle. This motif of a castle, this mythological language and pictures and images is sort of inside every human being and has been ever since we were children. This idea of kings and queens and princes and castles has been embedded in us from the beginning. I don't know that it's just from our upbringing. I think that it's part of our human nature to be dreaming and thinking about a king and a kingdom and a castle and power and benevolence and provision and justice. These are the things that come up when we think about a king. Not all kings are good. Ludwig was a little weird. You could probably tell us, uh, Claudia, about that. You know, they, some people thought he was insane, but, you know, a lot of power does that to a lot of people. So not always are kings and princes and all that stuff good, but, but we've got a lot of good stories, you know, from Cinderella, right, to the prince who comes and to Prince Charming to uh, the Emperor's New Groove. That'd be my favorite movie. Do you know that? Am I dating myself because my kids are older? Do you know that, that movie, The Emperor's New Groove? Okay, seriously? If you don't get anything out of this morning's sermon from God's Word, go rent that movie. That is worth it. The Emperor's New Groove. It's in us. It's, we're, we're fascinated by it. We went to this castle. I just was stunned. I couldn't believe what had gone on and was fascinated by the history of it. We go to the White House and we stand in front and take pictures. Have you done that? You go to Hyannisport by the Kennedy compound. You go to the, you know, uh, the Buckingham Palace if you've gone to England. This is, this is what we do. We're fascinated by this reality, these stories of kingdom. And I think it's about power and I think it's about wealth. I think it's fascinating for us to realize, wow, this person, like what they had available to them that it took him 20 something years to build this castle, right? And the, the, how he built it in order to actually to be a place for people to come and to gather. And he had this weird thing with Wagner, the composer, and wanted him to be in his life. And Wagner died before it was done. And then he ended up being a recluse and people didn't come to his castle and it got crazy. But the this idea of, of this, uh, the, the, I think it's not just the power and the wealth and wow, what did they have available to them? But I think there's this internal thing inside of us, I think that God's put inside of us, where there is something about order and justice and the benevolence, that possibly there is a benevolent king in whom we can trust with our lives and under whom the land flourishes. That's kingdom image that's buried in the DNA of all human beings. Why? Because I think it's the spiritual reality that is at work within us. That at the root of all of our human stories and all of our fantasy and all of the real life 
political dynasties and quests for power and dominion, all that kind of stuff. At the root of all of that, friends, is the kingdom of God. It is a reality in our universe, and I think it is in our DNA. Kingdom and rule of God. For the next six weeks, we're going to be considering what this kingdom is about. And this week, we want to consider what Jesus said about the kingdom, that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. Our our NIV Bible says the kingdom of God has come near. I like at hand. It sounds very religious, doesn't it? The kingdom of God is at hand. But it means close by. It has arrived. It is here. It is near. It is in our midst. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come near. Look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry with me in Mark chapter 1. That will be our text for this morning. Mark chapter 1. After John the Baptist was put into prison, after John was put into prison, Jesus began his ministry. So Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is what he said, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. The time has come. The kingdom of God has arrived. The time has come. The kingdom of God is in our midst. The kingdom of God has drawn near. The kingdom of God is at hand. It has come at last. Repent and believe the good news. In our few minutes that we have this morning, I want to go over kind of kingdom of God 101, some kingdom basics, and a couple of implications that are actually pretty strong words to us regarding the implications of this reality that the kingdom of God is at hand. So here's some things about the kingdom of God. One, the kingdom of God is Jesus central teaching. It's his central teaching. If we get together and we said, hey, what is it that Jesus taught? Like, what, what is the whole Jesus message thing? First of all, if there were 10 people in the room, you'd get 12 opinions, right? That's about what Jesus is. Well, we would talk about the things that we like to hear, or we would talk, make up stuff in our head. We would say, Jesus' message is to love one another. That's true. That's in there. Jesus' message is to vote Republican. No, that's not in there. Uh, Jesus, you know, like what would be Jesus' message is to, you know, love the the sinner hate the sin. You know, like, where, where, where's that? Where'd you read that? Like, what is, like, we would just make up a whole bunch of stuff in our head, some of it true, some of it partly true, and some of it not true. We would make up all kinds of stuff. But I want you to know, as we get into this conversation about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God was the topic that was central to Jesus' message. It was the one thing that Jesus taught. The three synoptic gospels, that's the three that kind of cover Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're kind of parallel with one another. Those three gospels all record it that way. They present it that way. Mark records it with the words that we have in our text this morning that Jesus said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew, as a narrator, sums up Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. He went out and proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. Luke records that Jesus himself said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to all these towns because that is why I was sent. Out of Jesus' own mouth, that is why I was sent to go and proclaim the kingdom of God to all these towns. Why was Jesus sent? To go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Before we ever get into what the kingdom of God is, I want you to know that it is the central 
message, the central teaching of Jesus. It's the thing that he came to talk about. It's his one message. It's the one. It's almost like Jesus. Listen, if you don't remember anything else, Jesus saying, I want you to know the kingdom of God is at hand. If you don't want to remember anything else, I want you to know the kingdom of God has arrived. This is Jesus' one message. You know that parent thing? You know that thing like when your dad was like, listen, whatever, as you go off to college, as you go off to your day, your dad, your mom, they have that one message. This is one message. I had a coach in junior high. His one message was keep your eye on the ball. No matter what sport, no matter how it's an offense or defense, keep your eye on the ball. That was his whole message. He thought it was a big life message too. Okay, coach, keep your eye on the ball. His name was Des. He lived in his car. He was later arrested. But <laughs> different story. Keep your eye on the ball. And if we didn't keep our eye on the ball, he had this amazing ability. Whatever, whatever sport we were playing, he could throw the ball and hit you right in the side of the head. And he'd be like, wake up. Keep your head in the game. That was his thing. My dad's message to me was something along the lines of, Act like you're sure, even if you're not. Like, kind of like, you know, just pretend you got it all figured out, even when you haven't, right? What, like, what's your one message? What's the message your parents said? Whole different aside, it's sort of therapy this morning. What was the message you got from home? What was the one thing? Like, if you don't remember anything else, what was the one thing? Well, my point is, this is the one thing that Jesus was telling his family, his people. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's important. So let's look at a couple more things. So the kingdom of God is Jesus' central teaching. Two, the kingdom of God is the redemptive rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God is the redemptive rule and reign of God. Here's what this means, friends. The kingdom of God is God's kingness. Write that down. I know that's tough to understand what I just said. That was really complex. The kingdom of God is God's kingness. It's God being king. It's God ruling. It's God exerting his will. You want something more wordy? Here it is. Chuck Colson writes this. Listen. It is the active, dynamic exercise of God's rule. It is the active, dynamic exercise of God's rule, God's authority, God's dominion, and God's power in the world. It's the active rule of God, or the active exercising of God's will. And I don't want you to miss something. It's a redemptive will. Don't miss it. It is a redemptive will. It's the kingness of God. It's God having his way. It's God being God. It's God's will being done. That's what the kingdom of God is, but it's his redemptive will. You can't miss that. See, in exerting God's will, it's It's restoring broken things. It's healing sick stuff. It's finding lost sheep. It's making things become what they were intended to be and that which they've lost. It's God's redemptive will. It's part of salvation. So this is God exercising his redemption, his redemptive will over the world. It's God being God. It's God being in charge. It's God's will happening. That's what the kingdom is. So in exerting his will, he's going to reign. He's going to rule. He's going to be in charge. He's going to be king. Revelation 11 pictures the end of all things. When the kingdom of God has descended fully and time here on earth is done. And it characterizes it this way, in this idea of uh, 
these seven trumpets, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, here's the proclamation of heaven at the end of all things, the proclamation of heaven is, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. Hear it. This is the proclamation at the end. The kingdom of the world, the kings of the world, the leaders of the world, the rulers of the world, earthly ruling, earthly lordship, all of that has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, which is who? Jesus. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. There's a reign. There's a rule. That's what this kingdom of God is about. It goes on to say the 24 elders, the creatures of heaven who were seated on their thrones before God, they fell on their faces and they worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. See, wherever God's will is, wherever God's authority is, God's kingdom has come. Wherever God's way happens and wherever God's authority is happening, that's God's kingdom. Wherever God's way, God's will is happening, whatever what God wants is happening, whatever God desires to happen is happening, and wherever his authority, his power is made manifest, that's God's kingdom. And Jesus' message was the kingdom of God is at hand. The will of God, God's way is at hand. God's power and authority is at hand. That's the teaching here. If anybody or anything comes under the influence or the manifestation of God's will and God's power, the kingdom has come. You say it again. If anybody or anything comes under the manifestation of God's will or God's power, the kingdom has come. That's kingdom coming stuff. God's will is happening. God's power is happening. God's authority is happening. That's kingdom stuff. Let me give you an example. Yesterday in the tenderloin. The redemptive will of God, the rule and the reign of God. That's what was happening yesterday in the tenderloin. There was redemption that was happening. The redemptive will of God was happening. God was going and he was loving the loveless. He was feeding the hungry. He was being alongside the uh, lonely. He was, right? He was reading to those who didn't know how to read. He was painting the toenails of those people whose feet were trashed. This was the redemptive, restorative will of God happening. God's way was happening there through his people. And God's power was at work. It wasn't just the people's toenails were getting painted. That's not lost on you, right? It's the dignity was being restored, that hope was being given, that as bellies were full and toenails were pretty, that people were open to the love of God and the dignity of who people were before God. The way of God, the will of God, the power of God made manifest. That is the kingdom coming. That's why it was so rich for everyone who was there. Wherever God's way is, wherever God's power and authority is, that's the kingdom of God coming. The kingdom is Jesus' central teaching, and the kingdom is God's kingness. It's the redemptive rule and reign of God. It's God being in charge. It's God showing up and being king. That's what the kingdom of God is. Now, the third thing I want to tell you about the kingdom of God is what Jesus taught in this passage, that that is that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has, is near. The kingdom of God has come. It has come near through Jesus. In the person of Jesus, 
The kingdom of God has come, and listen, in his, the spirit of Jesus, which now indwells all of us. The kingdom of God has come through Jesus and through the spirit of Jesus in us. Now. He's come now. The Spirit of God is present. It is here. And it's not just about the future. I want to tell you something about the kingdom of God. It is not synonymous with heaven. It is not synonymous with heaven. It's synonymous with kingdom of heaven. That's another phrase that's used in the the scriptures. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. But the kingdom of God is not synonymous with heaven. What I mean is there's not a far off place out there somewhere where Jesus lives in a castle and we can barely get our hope and our mind around that one day we might live there and be protected behind his walls. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has arrived by Jesus' presence here and by the Holy Spirit in us. You with me on that? That's why we live kingdom lives because we come and bring his way and his power wherever we are. Because it's now, it's here, it's present. Jesus said the time has come. This is the time. This is the place. This is the kingdom now, right here. It's coming here. Not like one day the kingdom will come. Now, there's definitely a future modality to the kingdom. You know how there's in Scripture a now but not yet? There's some things happen now but not yet. Our transformation is happening now but it's not complete yet, right? Our salvation is now. One day it will be complete, will be completely restored. There's a now but not yet in Scripture. Prophecy can be fulfilled, the beginning of fulfillment, but not fully yet. Now, but not yet. Well, in the kingdom, there's a now, but not yet. I just want you to know it's not all about not yet. It's now as well. The kingdom of God is present. Jesus said, now the time has come. The time has come. The time has come. It's like Jesus came and he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Like, I'm sure he didn't say this, but it was like, ta-da, it's me. The kingdom of God is in your midst, Jesus said. Why? Because I'm here. I'm present with you. The kingdom of God has arrived, and here I am. John the Baptist said it in anticipation of Jesus' ministry. He said that Jesus came preaching in the wilderness, repent. I'm sorry, John said it. He said, John John came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. John said it as well. Jesus said to another guy, it's in your midst. Jesus said to a teacher of of the law when he was speaking wisely, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. You're so close to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven's right here in your midst. It is now, it is near, and it is at hand because Jesus is present. And think, don't miss about how imminent it is because he's present within us by his Holy Spirit. He's in us by his Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is present. It has come. It is in our midst because of the Spirit in us. It's at hand. It's now. What does that mean? It means that the rule, the reign, the will of God, the redemptive will of God is available to us. And we experience it. And we experience it out through us to the rest of the world. So we lean into it. 
We lean into that kingdom in us. We lead into that presence of Jesus. We talk about being connected to the vine. We talk about being filled with the spirit. We talk about walking in the spirit. This is us living kingdom lives. The kingdom of God is within us. We lean into it and we live kingdom. We live according to God's way. We live according to God's power. That's us living according to kingdom. The kingdom of God is Jesus' central teaching. The kingdom of God is the redemptive rule and the reign of God. It's God being king. And third, the kingdom of God is present. It's at hand. It is now. It is a now thing for us by the presence of Jesus. So some implications about that before we're done. Two things. So we're asking, what, then, what, does, what does the nearness of the kingdom require of us? What does the nearness of the kingdom of God require of us? And when I typed this, when I was writing my notes, I thought, oh, no, that's too strong a word, require. Everybody's going to be like, don't you want to require anything of me? And then I'm like, require. (laughs) If he is king, what does that require of us, church? I know that's a hard word in our mentality. We love the presence of Jesus coming. We love the fruit of Jesus coming. We love the love of Jesus' message. We don't like the authority thing so much. But if the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God is at hand, then it requires something of us. Two things. One, it requires repentance. It requires repentance. Here's what repentance is. It's a turning away of what is not God's way. It's a turning away from what is not God's way. That's what repentance is. It's a turning away from what is not God's will, from what is not God's way. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to turn away from what is not God's way. That's what repentance is. You see how it makes sense that it would be part of this kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God is God's way and God's power and authority. And so we would turn away from the stuff that is not God's way. That's what repentance is. I even bring up the word repentance. Did you miss it? Because it's in the text. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And what does he say? Repent and believe the good news. That was John's message as well. John the Baptist said the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, John said. It makes sense, right? Because if the kingdom of God is his rule and reign, it must include his rule and his reign over our lives. So we turn away from any other way of living than his rule and his reign. Did you hear that? We turn away from any other kind of living than his rule and his reign. We turn away from sin. We turn away from other kings and masters. We turn away, listen, from self-governing, from self-rule. We repent of self-rule rule. We say, no longer will I be my own king, for the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, has come. The kingdom of God requires repentance, because Jesus said, listen, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because we would want to repent of our self-rule, get rid of that, that, that self-kingness that we constantly do. This is what salvation is all about, friends. This is what what becoming a Christian is about. This is what being born again means. It means we come under the lordship of Jesus. We come under the lordship of Jesus. We repent of our own being our own Lord. We repent of other things mastering us. We, we come under the lordship of Jesus. Repentance is not about turning away and stop doing some 
immoral stuff. That's how we always think of repentance. It's not just about turning away from stuff we shouldn't do. Repentance is about turning away from self-rule and turning to the lordship of Jesus. Did you hear that? Repentance, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It means turn away from running your own lives and turn to the king. To turn to the kingship of Jesus. To turn to Jesus being Lord, your Lord. The kingdom of God requires repentance. Jesus said it. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. It's funny. Repent and believe the good news. The good news is he's Lord. Repent and believe that he's Lord, that he's a good king. His lordship's the good news. We come under his lordship over our sin and our death in his forgiveness. We come, over, we come under his lordship over our brokenness in his restoration. We come under his lordship over our lostness because he's the one that brings new life. We, our redemption has been an exchange of rulers. Did you hear that? An exchange of rulers. Paul teaches in Colossians, he's rescued us from the dominion, from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, lostness, without himness. And so we repent of that self-rule and we say, God, you come and you be my king. And not everybody wants Jesus to be his king. And even on my best day, I resist Jesus being my king. My flesh fights to be in control. Jesus tells a parable with a few points in it, and one of them is that this guy went to go and inherit a kingdom, and the people over which he was going to rule sent a messenger, sent a, a, a team of people that came and said, we don't want that man to rule over us. And there it is. We don't really want Jesus to rule over us. So we repent of that constantly because he is king. How does that look this week? Submit, for you are my king. And draw near, because the kingdom's at hand, draw near to that spirit and live under his authority. What is your way, God? What is your way? What is your way? Submit, you are king, and draw near, what is your way? Submit, God, you're king, you are my Lord and draw near to his spirit. What is your way, God? What's your will? Kingdom of God requires repentance, a turning away from self-will and a turning toward Jesus as Lord. Last, second thing that the kingdom of God requires of us, repentance, and it requires discipleship. Discipleship, that means following Jesus, becoming a learner of Jesus, becoming a devotee of Jesus. We come under the authority of the king, of Jesus and we follow him. Why do I bring that up? Because in our text where Jesus goes and says, hey, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. It goes immediately into these passages where he says to his disciples, come and follow me. This is the passage right after the one I just quoted. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. 
and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your self-will. Follow me. And they said, yes, sir. And they left everything to do it. The kingdom coming, the nearness of the kingdom requires discipleship. Repentance, turning away from self-will, and discipleship, following Jesus. Yes, sir, we will follow you at once. Jesus says, not only the kingdom is near, but he says, repent. And then he says, come follow me. Now come follow me as your king. What does that look like in your life this week? The same thing. Submit. You are my king. And draw near. What is your way, God? Where are we going? What is in your heart? What are you up to? What are you about? Where are we going? How do I live for you? Submit, you are my king, and draw near. What is your way for me? I submit to your will. Why don't you come up, band, and then let's close in worship. But part of the hard word about this, friends, is that if it requires of us repentance, our flesh keeps coming and saying, I don't know that I trust him. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. And so even before we leave today, would you respond, re-respond to the Lord? I don't know what I'm thinking, God. You are my king. What is your way? And if it requires of us discipleship that we come and follow him, even today, as we respond before you go at noon, would you re-respond? I'll follow you anywhere, God. I'll live under your leadership, under your kingship. Jesus tells this long story after story about three different guys in Luke chapter 9, who he said, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. And each one had an excuse. And at the end of that, he just said, you know what? Anybody who puts his hand to the plow, starts to do the job, looks back, they're not fit for service in the kingdom of God. They're saying they don't want to be part of it. That's not what it's about. It's about submission and leaning in. You are my king. What is your way? You are my king. What is your way? May God impress upon us the beauty and the glory that is being his kingdom people. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news.